Christians talk weird. We also sing weird. Probably the most familiar Christian song in the world is Amazing Grace. And in fact, probably many of you can sing it from memory. Sing it along with me if you recall it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Good singing. But what does it mean? <clears throat> to the average person, that makes about as much sense as Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. I see a little silhouette of a man, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the Fandango, Thunderbolts and Lightning, very, very frightening, me, Galileo, Galileo, Galileo. You know, Christians aren't the only ones who sing really confusing lyrics. But, but what is this amazing grace, and, and who's a wretch, and, and where was he lost? April was just saying that when, when she was younger, somebody said you need grace, and she didn't have a clue what that meant. How many people are in the same situation? Well, that song was written by John Newton. He was a former slave ship captain who became a Christian. He, his life was turned around. He, he turned against slavery. And it's hard to imagine that a man who caused so much misery to other people would also one day bring so much comfort to people through his song. But you see, John knew that he had been a wretch. He had been a miserable sinner. His, he knew his life was broken. He had no relationship with God. He's ashamed of what he had become. John didn't have to read the Bible to know that he, like every other person who has ever lived, had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Romans 3, 23 says. He didn't need a sermon on original sin like we had last week to know how messed up he was. And I think that that's probably why the song's so popular. You know, maybe we wouldn't use the word wretch. Maybe we'd just call ourselves broken or sinners or, or messed up. Maybe instead of lost, we would call ourselves hurting or hopeless or, or hungry for, for something more. But we know what he means. We may not have been atheist slave ship captains like John was, but we all know that we need help. We are broken, and we can't fix ourselves on our own. And that's where grace comes in. Each Sunday this fall, we're looking at, at the weird words that Christians use to describe their faith, even though to, to many people it just confuses them. To the average person, even to someone who has sung amazing grace, grace is kind of a weird word. I mean, could you define it? Could you explain it? And why is it so amazing? I'll help you out. The easiest way to, to think of grace is to think of another word in the English language that starts with a G, and that is gift. 
Grace is the free gift of God's love and blessing and help and salvation. Grace is is that catch-all word to describe God giving you something that you didn't earn and you don't really deserve. The good news, the gospel, and, and grace, they go hand in hand. Jesus is such good news because all that he does for us, he does for free. It doesn't cost us a thing, but it costs him everything. 1 Peter 3 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. And Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's grace. That's a gift. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Died to save us. Now, saved is another one of those weird words. Normal people, when we talk, would use the word saved maybe to describe themselves uh, uh, if they were caught in a hurricane and somebody came along and, and rescued them. They might say they were saved. Or maybe somebody did CPR on you after your heart stopped, brought you back to life. They would say, you would say you were saved. Or maybe you were headed down a destructive path in life and somebody did an intervention and you'd say that they saved you. But what does it mean in the Bible when it says that, that we're saved? Well, it's really not that much different. No, in, we are saved from, from a world that's in chaos, like in a hurricane. We are saved from death, like with CPR. We are saved from going down a path that leads to eternal death and destruction, like with an intervention. In some way, you could say Jesus performed an intervention. He offers us his grace, a free gift, to save us from sin and death and to lead us to new life in him. No wonder John Newton called it amazing. Listen to how the the second chapter of Ephesians describes this whole weird thing of of grace and salvation, of of grace and being saved. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, now that's a, quite a mouthful, but what is our, our natural condition? Our natural condition is that we're broken. Broken people in a broken world, separated from God and facing death. And what can we do to save ourselves from this situation? Nothing. We can't save ourselves. But God can. And God did. Because of his great, for love, great love for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And all we have to do is accept that gift of love, accept that grace. All we have to do is throw ourselves in, into the arms of Jesus and let him save us. We call that faith. Stop making it so hard. Just receive the gift of life in Christ that God wants to give us. It's so simple. But we have trouble with even that, don't we? Our pride gets in the way. We want to, to think that we have earned God's love, earned our salvation. We want to think that on our own, we are good people. So we deserve to be saved. We deserve to have eternal life. We are almost insulted that Jesus would save our sorry hides and give us eternal life. Give us himself. And not one bit of it because we deserve it. It drives people crazy. The only free lunch in the whole universe. And people turn it down. Back when I was uh, in a Christian band, we did a we organized a small music festival in a community center. And it was an afternoon of, of different bands and singers, including one person who went on to become a huge national recording artist. And we had lunch and drinks and goodies, and it was all free. Not even a basket for a free will donation. And I remember watching as three nuns came in and got in line. And, and they must have been wearing some kind of clothes that identified them, otherwise they wouldn't have caught my eye. But they got in line, and I watched them. And, and as they, they came up to, to one of the volunteers, they asked how much it cost to get the lunch, to, to be there in the concert. And they were told it was free. So they said, well, where can we leave a donation? And they were told, no donations, it's just free. It's a gift from us to you. And the strangest thing happened. They got mad. They tried to, to get us to take their money, and when no one would accept it, they threw the money down and they stomped off in a huff. I was dumbstruck. Why can't people just accept a gift? Why can't people accept a little grace? And I think God must, must feel the same way. Why can't people accept a little grace? I gave them my grace, incomparable riches in Christ Jesus. My son paid the debt for their sin. He restores their brokenness. He revives their hearts and brings the dead back to life. And all they have to do is receive it. Say, Jesus, I'm yours. Do your work in me. I can't do it, but you can, Jesus. I accept it. Save me, Jesus. And he does. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It's a gift from God. Isn't that amazing? In Christian theology, we, 
we have a weird word for that grace. Of course we do. We have weird words for everything. But the weird word for that kind of saving grace, the grace that, that wipes the slate clean and makes us right with God, we call that grace justifying grace or justification. Don't worry, there's not going to be a test on this. But, but if you ever hear that word, that's what we're talking about. And it's related to the word justice because it's not justice that God would simply let sin go unpunished. But Jesus took the punishment upon himself. He paid the debt, so to speak. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as Romans 8.1 says. Justifying grace is that gift of Christ that wipes the slate clean. It makes us right with God again. And not because of what we've done, but because of what he did. And that grace is amazing. But as the old commercial says, but wait, there's more! Because grace isn't limited just to the hour I first believed, as the song says. There's another old expression that says, God loves you, God saves you just the way you are. But God loves you too much to leave you that way. God's grace doesn't just end with saving us from sin and death, but God's grace saves us for loving God and neighbor, for looking more and more like Jesus, for becoming the people that we were created to be, for we were created in the image of God. Remember how that Ephesians passage ended? It said, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's grace doesn't end when we're saved. God pours out his gifts, his grace upon our lives day after day, reminding us of his love and shaping us little by little to be more and more like Jesus. And we call that grace, sanctifying grace. Sanctifying literally means setting something aside for a special purpose, something made holy. God loves us so much that he saves us through the free gift of his grace. It's justifying grace. And God loves us so much that he doesn't stop there, but he continues to pour out grace upon grace in our lives so that we can do good works and, and more and more reflect Jesus to the world sanctifying grace. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But even that doesn't fully capture the amazing nature of God's grace. For there's still a third kind of grace, and it's called provenient grace. That's probably the weirdest word of all that we're looking at today. Nobody uses the word provenient, but it has pre, as in comes before, and that's what we're talking about. How many of you can remember back before you came to faith in Christ. Now, I know some of you might have been, uh, been raised as a part of the church, and, and it's so steeped into you that you can never remember a time when you, when you didn't know what Jesus had done for you. But if you can, what was God doing in that time before you came to faith? Was God completely ignoring you? 
Was there never a point where God wasn't trying to get your attention? No little miracles, no majestic sunset, no person of faith who gave you an example of what Jesus looks like. No inner sense that there has to be something more than what we can see with our eyes. Did you just totally and completely, out of the blue, suddenly come to faith? Of course not. God was at work in your life in a million different ways before you ever chose to follow Jesus. God was thinking about you, pouring his grace upon you even before you ever thought of God. And that grace, that grace that goes before, that makes it even possible to have faith. So not even faith is a work, but faith itself is a gift. That's called provenient grace, the grace that comes before. So the amazing thing about grace is it's all grace. It's all God. It's all gift. No matter how screwed up and broken your life has been, whether you've been the most wretched atheist slave ship captain like John Newton, or whether you're just an ordinary garden variety sinner in a broken world like most of us, grace is always out there ahead of us. Before we can ever know what God has done for us, God is already preparing our hearts. God is already working in our lives before we ever come to faith. And then God is saving our souls and wiping the slate clean when we come to faith. And grace will be there every step of the way after we have faith. It's all grace. It's all God from beginning to end. See why it's so amazing? See why it's such a wonderful gift. And it didn't cost you or me a thing. But it cost Jesus everything. For you and me, it's all gift. Amazing doesn't even begin to describe it. So as we wrap up today, I want to invite you to, to hold your hands out like this. We're going to pray, and when we pray, I want you to just hold your hands out to receive a gift, to receive the gift of God. And maybe you've been, been waiting for some moment to know that that you've been saved, and this could be that moment. This could be the moment where you say, Jesus, I'll take it. I'll take what you give. Or maybe you just want to stand in awe and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the grace that brought me to you. Thank you for the grace that shapes me to look like you. Thank you for the grace that will lead me home to you and to eternal life. So let's pray with our hands open to receive God's grace. Oh Lord, we stand in amazement. We know that, that our lives are not, are not complete in ourselves. We know that that there are things that we have done, things that we've left undone. There are, there's brokenness. There's brokenness in the world, and, and yet your response is not to condemn. Your response is not to, to punish your response while we were yet sinners. 
is to show your grace upon the cross. So Lord, right now, if there's anybody here that needs to receive you for the first time, Lord, may they, they know you're there. May they feel the touch of your spirit and the slate wiped clean, even this very minute. And Lord, for those who, who have experienced that sometime in the past and are, and are basking in, in awe and amazement at, at how your grace has been there from the beginning to end, Lord, bless them once more with a touch of your spirit, with a sense of grace. Fill their lives with you, the greatest gift of all. Thank you for your amazing grace.